but we want to look number one, look at the rise of the Antichrist. So this is going to be, this message is divided into three parts. It's the rise, the rule, and the ruin of the Antichrist. And this uh, the the graphic I have here is is in relation to those three points. You have the rise at the beginning, the rule in the middle, then you have the ruin at the end. And so we're going to fill in the gaps a little bit here so you understand a little bit more of how what goes where, and maybe this will just help you teach others as well what to expect. Uh, letter A, the little horn rises out of one of the four notable horns, and we've said this week after week. You know this by now. Also, the three horns are plucked up out of the ten, and he comes out of that. Uh, but in Daniel 8, in verse number 8, it says, Therefore, the he-goat waxed very great, and when he was strong, the great horn was broken, and for it came up four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven, and out of one of them came forth a little horn, which waxed exceeding great toward the south and toward the east and toward the pleasant land. And then in Daniel 8, verse 22, it says, Now that being broken, whereof four stood up for it, four kingdoms shall stand up out of the nation, but not in his power. And the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. And so all we know is these four divisions out of the Grecian Empire are going to exist during the final last days. And so we know that these four divisions are still in existence today. And out of one of those divisions, that's where the Antichrist will actually rise out up from. And we looked at that last time, I think it was two, was it two times ago or last week? I don't know. But we looked at the people of the prince that shall come and how that it could be through that Syrian aspect uh, of that division is where the Antichrist could be coming from. Letter B, the little horn will rise in the time of the end. In the end. That's the scripture that we're given. It says in Daniel 8 verse 17, So he came near when I, where I stood, and when he came I was afraid and fell upon my face. But he said unto me, Understand, O son of man, for at the time of the end shall be the vision. And in Daniel chapter 8, what we have is some background laid down there with the, the he-goat and the ram. And of course, that's the Greece and Persia. But that's not the end. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about what happens after that, how the little horn's going to rise. And so he says, that's really the vision that we're concerned about here. Uh, not so much Greece and Persia. That's just simply the, the foundation or the backdrop of what we're really looking at, the main subject in these two chapters, and that's little horn, the Antichrist. That's really what the Lord wants us to understand here. And in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3, it says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So that day, what day is that? That is the day of the Lord. Uh, in 2 Thessalonians, it calls it the day of Christ. Uh, when Christ is going to come and set up his kingdom. <coughs> so these Thessalonian believers were concerned that somehow they missed something here, and because of the persecution, because of the heavy situation they were going through, they thought perhaps were within the day of the Lord, and they were afraid. And that's why Paul says, don't let yourself be shaken by whether you received a letter from us or anybody else. And he goes on to explain, <coughs> that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed. And so what we know is this, 
that the Antichrist will be revealed before the day of the Lord. So we know he's going to be coming to play before the 70th week will begin. And that's what we learned from there. We'll look at that in a little bit here. Uh, letter C, the vision is concerning the last end of the indignation. And we see that in verse 18 of chapter 8. It says, Now as he was speaking with me, I was in a deep sleep on my face toward the ground, but he touched me and set me upright. So he had received this vision about the ram and the he-goat and the little horn, and then he got him said that he fell into a deep sleep, and then Gabriel came and touched him and brought him up to his feet. So now he's talking to the angel. So they're having a conversation. And it says, And he said, Behold, I will make thee know what shall be in the last end of the indignation, for at that time appointed the end shall be. So the indignation, what is that? Well, that's the Lord's judgment. That's the Lord's jealousy and anger against sin. And the indignation is coming at the end. That's the Daniel's 70th week. That's when his judgment falls upon the earth. And so what he's saying is, I'm dealing now with the last end of that indignation. We're going to talk about what's going to happen mid-trib and on, is what he's talking about. So he's talking about the last end. So letter D, the little horn will increase in power. And so as he rises up out of that fourth horn, he's going to, he's going to increase in power. It's not going to be an immediate uh, where he's going to have all the power he wants. It's going to be a gradual increase. And we see that through Daniel 8, verse 8. It says, Therefore the heed goat waxed very great, and when he was strong, the great horn was broken, and for it came up four notable horns toward the four winds of heaven. That's the wrong verse. Verse 24, it says, And his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power, and he shall destroy wonderfully, and shall prosper and practice, and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. And so, I gave you the wrong verse. And so, what we're going to look at here is we're going to look at how this Antichrist power comes into play here. Now, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 7, this is what it says. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Now, he's talking about the first century here when he's writing this letter to the Thessalonica church in Thessalonica. He says, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way, and then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So he's saying until that restrainer is taken out of the way, the wicked cannot be revealed. But when the restrainer is taken out of the way, then the wicked will be revealed. And we know by that other passage it said, well, you're not going to be in the day until the wicked gets revealed. <laughs> Amen. And so these people that thought they were in the day of the Lord and the tribulation... He's saying, you're, you're deceived here. <laughs> you're not in the day of tribulation because otherwise you would see the Antichrist in power. And he's not in power, all right? Now, the reason why they weren't talking about the rapture there is with the church of Thessalonica, he'd already dealt with the rapture in the, in the first letter he wrote to them. So now, if you look at First and Second Thessalonians, First Thessalonians deals with the rapture. Second Thessalonians deals with the second coming. And so that's how you divide those two books, all right? And so, number one, we're going to look at the white horse or political power. So Revelation 6, 
<clears throat> now, chronologically, the book of Revelation, it's a chronological book. But the book also has parenthetical chapters, which means in the middle there, all of a sudden he'll jump into a big section of time or a huge amount of history, and they'll explain it right to the end, right in the middle of this chronological order. And so it kind of throws you off a bit if you don't know what you're reading. <laughs> Amen. And so what we have here, uh, Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3 was dealing with what was and which is. And those were the letters to the churches. Remember we preached that that one time on the Sunday nights, how that there are letters written to the pastors of those churches in those days. Those are things that were happening right there. And then uh, when Revelation chapter 4 comes along, the first thing that happens is how the Lord calls John up into heaven and says, come up hither, amen. So at that point, that's when the rapture takes place after the, he deals with the church. And then we have the whole account how they're standing there before the throne of God and, and they're looking for one that is worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. Amen. Well, I think we ought to go to that. Let's go to that Revelation chapter 5. I wanted you to see this. So you're looking at he who now letteth uh, will let. And I want you to see this. Um, just going to look for the right place. Okay, chapter 5, I'm going to read from verse number 1. It says, And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. Now that's the Father. Amen. So you got the Son, you got the Father. And then it says, And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. So what's happened here is, before that throne, at this particular time, chronologically, everybody from every nation, every tongue, every people are standing there at this particular moment singing this particular song about how that they've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. All right? So what that tells you is 
before the, the tribulation begins, <laughs> we're already up there. We're already standing before the throne. The rapture has already taken place. So what's happening here with the seals is, is the Lord is taking, getting ready now to break open the seals to start the process of this tribulation, releasing the Antichrist and the events that happen afterwards. All right? And so that's what the seals are all about. So it goes on to say, um, And has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. That was given, a promise was given to the church. The Bible says if we suffer with him, we will reign with him. Our place in the millennial reign is to rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Jews, it was not so. The Jews, the nation of Israel, are all going to go to Israel. And they're going to operate within the boundaries of their land, except the Jews that got saved during the, during the church age and were made a part of the earth, or part of the church, sorry. And they're going to be the ones that will rule and reign with the rest of the church. Amen? So what it's telling you there is, is who is standing here? The church. The church is standing there. They're the ones that are going to rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. Amen? So it's interesting because as we open up this door to the Antichrist here in the book of Revelation, that starts in chapter 6. So what happens? Look at verse number 1 of chapter 6. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard as it were the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, the white horse... And he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Amen? So this is how the Antichrist comes to power. This is the first step. So what the Lord does is he releases the Antichrist in his ability now to become a, a leader in the, in the political realm. And he's given a crown. See, the Lord gives him permission. <laughs> Amen? He's not just taking it. The Lord says, I'm giving it to you. And so these seals are the Lord saying, I'm opening this up because it's my will that this be done. Amen. And that's how the seven seals release this potential. And so he's given a crown. That means a new ruler that will conquer. So that means he was never ruling before. So this is a new ruler coming in, into play here. He was given a crown and he had a bow but no arrows. And so if you have a bow with no arrows, you're really not shooting anybody. Amen? So basically, he, came, he comes on a platform of peace. <clears throat> and a lot of people think that perhaps his, his, the way he's going to come in is on a platform also of disarmament because there's no arrows. Amen? Now, you look at the world today. What's going on today? What is going on in Canada right now? What are they trying to do? Take away everybody's guns. They're trying to pull everybody's arrows away. <laughs> Amen. So they're coming in. The Antichrist will come in on a platform of peace and a platform of disarming the world, which makes sense because then he's got the power, right? And so Isaiah 2 verse 4, remember we looked at Isaiah last week. This isn't a positive passage. This isn't talking about God here. It's actually the deception of Jews during the time of Antichrist, and it says, And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And so this passage here 
in, in, in Isaiah chapter 2 is happening before the day before the Lord comes back. So it's talking about the Jews in the time of their deception when there's a ruler that's saying, peace, 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 peace. You might as well just give all your guns in and we'll just make plowshares out of them. <laughs> the book of Joel has a, has a passage like this, but it puts the, the beating of the plowshares after the coming of Christ, not before. This is before, amen? So the Antichrist comes in on a platform of peace, says, give me all your guns. We're going to be a peaceful nation. And then he controls the people. And then Jesus Christ returns. Joel, Jesus Christ returns. And then the millennial reign, the Lord says, now we don't need weapons anymore. <laughs> Amen. Because I'm the king. All right. So that's kind of a deceptive passage there. Daniel 8 verse 25. It says, and through his policy, also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand. And he shall magnify himself in his heart. And by peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. And so there's really giving in his whole career there, starting on the platform of peace, all the way to the end when the Lord is going to take him out. Amen. So that's all happening in that verse right there, you know. And so by peace he shall destroy many. And so that's going to be Antichrist's strategy. I wanted to show you here. I don't know if I have the... Let me show this to you, the chart. Now, this is kind of just a, um, uh, kind of a, uh, a magnification of the bigger chart of the, of the rise, the rule, and the ruin. And here what we're seeing is the first part. And so you notice the colors there. Those are the four colors, the four horses. And it's interesting, when you read this in Revelation, it doesn't talk about four different horsemen. It just talks about four different horses. Amen which means we're not talking about different people riding them, we're just talking about four different horses. Four different horses carrying whoever's on their back. All right, so that's the context of that passage. And so the four horses, you see the rapture, we know that the rapture, what that's going to do is remove the church, it's going to remove our prayers, it's going to remove the resistance of, of the moral uh, compass of the land, and the Bible also talks about how that when the Antichrist rules, that transgressions will increase. That means the increasing of transgressions will make it more, more able for him to take complete power. Because the people will be so wicked, <laughs> they'll just give him complete power. And so that's not so at the rapture, because we, we're still working here as a church. <laughs> we're holding back that tide of evil. But to come in, he comes in on the white horse right after the rapture, right when that seal is broken because we're already standing before the throne of God with the rapture, amen? And then Revelation 6, he breaks the seal for the first horse. And that happens after the rapture, amen? So you see that? But you notice as well, it happens before the 70th week. That's the blue there. That's where he signs the, the confirms the covenant with Israel for one week is right there. So there's a, there's a rising of power that takes place to bring him to a place where he will make this covenant with Israel. And not only that, even after that, he will continue to rise till he gets to the point in mid-trib where he feels confident enough that now they will worship me as God. So he continues this rise from being this political figure 
on a white horse, growing, developing, signing the covenant, and then the mid-trib becoming the pinnacle of what Satan wants, and that's someone to receive worship instead of God. All right? So that's what the Antichrist is. And so, I'm going to move back here. You guys getting me so far? All right? So number two, the red horse. This is military power. So in Revelation 6, verse 3, And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red. Notice it's not talking about the rider. It's talking about the horse. And the power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. So it's interesting. Take peace from the earth. So what's happening is this. This follows a time of peace for it to be taken. So there it's revealing again, this is a progression that we're looking at here. So the sword was given to this next horse, the man on this next horse, because there was peace on the earth or a form of it because he was riding the white horse. <laughs> but now he's got power to take that peace away. And he's the only one with the sword because he's disarmed everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so the, here's another step. So a great sword was given to him. So this shows a development of power after he deceives with peace. He has power to control nations by force. And Daniel chapter 11, verse 38, up and then a couple more chapters, it says, but in his estate shall he honor the God of forces and a God whom his fathers knew not shall he honor with gold and silver and with precious stones and pleasant things. All right. Daniel 8, verse 23, and the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. So it's no longer a peace beginning. Now he's got a sword. All right. So there will be conflicts. You can't expect the Antichrist to take power and there not to be conflicts among the nations. And so this is what happens. When he starts controlling, people react. And so wars start to break out, you know. And that's what leads to the big war there at the beginning of the tribulation time where Magog, Gog and Magog will come and they'll be destroyed. And so number three, the black horse this is economic power. Notice what it says in Revelation 6, verse 5. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. So a pair of balances, balances were used to measure commodities and to, de to determine the cost of what those commodities actually cost. And so it's interesting, in Daniel 11, verse 43, it says this, but he shall have power over the treasures of gold and of silver and over all the precious things of Egypt and the Libyans and the Ethiopians shall be at his steps. You know, I was listening to something today, the financial leader there in the EU is trying to push this uh, digital currency ID. So it's a digital ID that will that will link to our to a one to a digital currency. 
And what that will do is it will give the government control, if it's digital, to be able to turn it on or off as they see fit. So let's say here you have some digital currency that you can spend. It's no longer dollars. It's, it's in a card. It's in a whatever. And you want to go to this protest. And so you're going to go put gas in your car. But when you get there, it doesn't work. Because the government now controls where you go and what you can do. And if you're a good boy, <laughs> they'll allow you more access, allow you to spend certain places. And so that you will be underneath the control. And that leads us up to uh, Revelation 13, how that when the false prophet comes up and how he's going to, they, they're going to cause you to have a mark, otherwise you will not be able to buy or sell, you see. And we've seen all these things laid out this year, in the last couple of years. And this is what this one guy was saying. He says, all the framework for the digital ID is already there because of the COVID passport. <laughs> and what he said is the COVID passport didn't work, <laughs> but it didn't matter because that wasn't the end game. The end game was put to put the framework in place so they could enter into a digital ID system. It's not about the vaccination. <laughs> it's about having being controlled where you go or where you cannot go, how much you spend, and if you're someone that they don't like, then they'll clamp you down, you see. And so, the black horse. <laughs> now, I'll guarantee you this, this is not happening right now, <laughs> amen, but all that stuff is in place. And so I wouldn't worry too much about right, you know, tomorrow waking up for the digital ID and you won't be able to buy and sell. Uh, the, the church is still here, which means there's still a resistance against Satan's plan. Otherwise, it would have already been in place already in the last two years. You know, it's been the prayers of the people. It's been because we're here. It can't happen until we're taken out. Amen. That's when there's no more restrainer. That's when he who letteth will let. All right. And of course, the breaking of the seals, like the Lord says. And so, so that's the economic power. Number four is the pale horse. This is the power of death. In verse seven, it says, and when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast saying, come and see. And I looked and behold, a pale horse and his name that sat on him was death and hell followed with him. And the power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. And, uh, and so power was given to destroy a fourth part of the earth. He uses the combined power of what he was given to destroy. Uh, th that's what he's using. So he's been given political, military, economic. And these are the things that this writer called death is going to use to destroy a fourth of the population, <laughs> you see. So it brings him to this point of power that he has, the power of death. Letter B, he determines to bring the whole earth under his dominion, all right? Uh, so, letter E, the Antichrist will make a covenant with the rulers of Israel for seven years, initiating the 70th week. And so, that chart was showing us that the rise happens before the 70th week, and when that covenant is made, that's when the 70th week begins, and that's the only week we're waiting for. 69 have already been completed. When did the 69th week get completed? 
with the birth of Christ. Amen? Since that time, it's been paused. Why? Because the Lord was seeing whether his people were going to receive his son as he came to them. But they rejected him. And so he paused their timeline. They're continuing to be underneath Gentile dominion. He's done that before in Scripture. We looked at that the 49 years, how he pauses the timeline. And he does that with Israel. And he put in this time period called the church age where now we're given this responsibility to do their job for them, amen, and reach the world for the Messiah, for the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's a time we're going to be taken out, and then he's going to say, okay, now it's time to get back to that last week. And that's going to happen with that covenant. We see that in Daniel 9, verse 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. In the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. Isaiah 28, verse 14, it says, Wherefore hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men, that rule this people which is in Jerusalem. So these rulers in Jerusalem, the Lord looks at them, you're scorners. You're wicked scorners. And these are the people ruling Jerusalem at the time of the Antichrist. So that makes it easy for the Antichrist to make a covenant, <laughs> you see. Then it says, Because ye have said, we have made a covenant with death, and with hell are we at agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us. For we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood have we hid ourselves. And so they think that making this covenant with the Antichrist is protecting them, not realizing that you actually just signed a death warrant. <laughs> and that's the deception. So you hid yourself in your lies. <laughs> you found refuge in falsehood. Amen? That's a common thing for people <laughs> these days. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a for a foundation a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Judgment also will I lay to the line, and righteousness to the plummet. And hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies, and the water shall overflow the hiding place. And your covenant with death shall be disannulled, and your agreement with hell shall not stand. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, then ye shall be trodden down by it. In other words, this covenant isn't going to protect you against what I'm going to do. And that's what the 70th week is all about, God dealing with the Jews and with the wicked of the earth. So, letter F, the Lord will bring judgment on the earth. So, uh, going back to our, to this, uh, I don't think you have this one necessarily, this chart, but it's kind of the same. You can see the rise, the colors on the far end, that's the horses, and then you see the Antichrist will confirm a covenant with Israel for one week at the bottom there, and when that happens, what the Lord is going to do is start a series of judgment called the trumpet judgments. And that's going to happen within the first three and a half years of the 70th week. And that's what I'm talking about here. So um, I don't have time to read all of this because <laughs> it's like it's a lot of passages. Revelation 8, 6 to 9, 21 uh, will give you all of those different ones. And it's talking about natural disasters. It's even talking about the, the locusts that come out of the pit and they sting. They have a scorpion's tail that will sting, but they won't kill you but they'll torment people day and night. And that's going to happen a part of the judgment, trumpet judgments before the mid-trib time. All right? 
So it's still going to be pretty bad. <laughs> you know, not as bad as after, but it's still going to be bad. All right, so number two. We're moving ahead to the rule of the Antichrist. The rule, <coughs> that's a center point right there, the abomination of desolation. So the duration of Antichrist's rise is 2,300 days from his revealing to his rule. The time he takes um, away, okay, revealing to his rule, the time he takes away the daily sacrifice in the middle of the 70th week. And so the mark is when he takes the sacrifice away. That's the midpoint mark, okay? So this passage in Daniel 8, 8, I'll read this to you, verse 13 to 14. Then I heard one saint speaking, and another saint said unto that certain saint which spake, How long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of, the, of desolation, to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot. And he said unto me, Unto two thousand three hundred days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. And so what he's saying here, how long is it going to be till when that the sacrifices are taken away? And that's what we'll look at our chart again. If you look at the bottom, the red, you can see from the rise way back there, the vision of 2,300 days, you go back when the Antichrist started to rise all the way through to the rule <laughs> will be 2,300 days. So you know the 70th week is made out of seven years, three and a half years on each side, right? And so that's only 1,260 days. So half of a 70th week or half of a week is 1,260 days. 2,300 days is quite a bit longer, <laughs> Amen. And so basically what he's saying here is that he's really verifying what we know all along. It's going to take time for the Antichrist to come to power before the 70th week begins. That's what he's saying there. So 2,300 days, what needs to take place before the 2,300 days? The rapture. So the rapture takes place, which is imminent. We don't know when that's going to happen. But when that takes place and the Antichrist gets revealed from that breaking of the seal... 2,300 days will pass till he takes away the daily sacrifices in the temple. All right? So that's kind of the timeline. That's why Daniel 8 is in place there. All right? So let's move on from that. Letter B. And there's, I could teach a whole lesson on that alone. And I did. I had it all laid. I said, I can't. I don't have time for all of this. <laughs> you know, so there's a lot of things that, that reveal that or prove that. But folks... That's what it's talking about. That's talking about the revealing to the rule, all right, to the taking away of the, the sacrifice. Letter B, the Antichrist will rule under satanic control. Daniel 8, 23, in the latter time of the kingdom, when the transgressors are come to full, a king of fierce countenance, understanding dark sentences, shall stand up, and his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power, <laughs> all right? So he's going to be satanically controlled, Revelation 12, 13, it talks about the dragon. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And so that's talking about the Jews. And so what we know is the Antichrist, when after the Satan comes down, is going to begin chasing after the Jews that will not submit. And that's when they'll run into the mountains. And the Lord will hide them 
for three and a half years. That's the last three and a half years. All right. Revelation 13, 2. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of the lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. So what is familiar about those animals? Those are all the animals mentioned in the first empires. So what we know is during the 70th week, the Grecian Empire, the Persian Empire, uh, the Babylonian Empire will all be present. And they'll all be empowered by the dragon and the Antichrist will rule over that particular, uh, that particular kingdom. It says, And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? All right, so this is all leading up to his control. Let her see the Antichrist will magnify himself as God and establish his throne in the temple. This is the big point. <laughs> this is mid-trip. This is right at the pinnacle of the Antichrist power is right here in the mid-trip of the, of, of the 70th week. That's why it says in Daniel 8 verse 11, Yea, he magnified himself even to the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifice was taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. And an host was given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression. And it cast down the truth to the ground, and it practiced and prospered. So by the time the Antichrist comes into power and sets him up himself up as a god in the temple, he's already got a following that is there to do whatever he wants them to do. And so he uses this host to stop the sacrifices and says, now we're in control. And the, these are the hosts. And we know that they're going to actually take the number of the beast. They're going to worship the dragon. There's, they're, in essence, they're Satan worshipers is what they are. And so Daniel 8.25, it says, And through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand. That's witchcraft, deceitful witchcraft. And he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. So he wants to come against Jesus, but it's a literal failure. Amen. In Matthew 24, verse 15, Jesus said, When you therefore see, shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand, then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. So he's given them instruction. When you see that guy setting himself up, just run, <laughs> run. And we know that the Lord protects those people that do run. Not all the Jews will run. Some of the Jews are with the Antichrist. But we're talking there is a remnant of diligent people, of people that want to do the right thing, because really it was the rulers that were the scorners. It was the rulers just like it was back in Paul's day. He always tried to reach the rulers, but they would not submit. And therefore the whole country wouldn't submit, you see. And so that's what took place here. And you read Revelation 12 and it gives you that whole history of Israel 
and how the Lord protects them in the wilderness for three and a half years. All right. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 4, it says, Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he is God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. In other words, there'll be nobody getting away with saying, Oh, I worship a different God. He says, No, you don't. You worship me. He exalted himself above all that is called God. So the Buddha says, no, we do this. He says, no, you don't. You worship me. The Islamics say, no, we worship. No, you don't. You worship me. There's no more Allah. There's no more Jesus. There's no more this. There's no more that. There is me. And if you don't worship me, I will kill you. That's mid-trib power. That's a power of death. <laughs> that's, that, that's the pale horse at its full strength. You know what I mean? Letter D, the Antichrist will cause sacrifice to the Lord to cease. We already looked at this. Um, I don't think we've got to look at that again. Uh, you see there's another passage in there in Daniel 11, verse 31, a couple of chapters up. An arm shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. Uh, letter E, the Antichrist will demand worship under threat of death with the help of the false prophet. And I think we already talked about that. But you read Revelation 13, 1 to 15, it's just, it, it's just, you just think, how in the world could this happen? But it's going to happen. And this uh, false prophet will stand up and cause people to worship the beast. And then, of course, uh, taking the number and so forth. All right. Letter F. The kings of the world will give global leadership to the Antichrist for 42 months. That's how long he's going to rule. That's all the time he's got. In Daniel 7, verse 25, And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time, and times, and the dividing of time. So you take a time, and then two times, and then a dividing of time, that's three and a half times. Three and a half years, all right? So that's what it's talking about there. So you're talking about a time in the middle of the tribulation period where power is given to him for another three and a half years for him to do what he needs to do, which equals to 42 months, all right? Daniel eleven thirty six, And the king shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself, and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak marvelous things against the god of gods, and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished. For that that is determined shall be done. In Revelation 13, verse 5, it says, And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months, and he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwelt in heaven. Wow. So in other words, anybody that threatens his place as God, he just blasphemes. The word blaspheme really means to insult. To insult. All right. Letter G. The Antichrist will just seek to destroy those loyal to the Lord. That just goes hand in hand. He wants all the worship. There's going to be a whole bunch of people that are not going to worship him, you know. And so in Revelation 13, verse 7, it says, And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and power was given him over all the kindreds and tongues and nations. 
So he had complete power. In Matthew 24, 9, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Have you seen this played out in the last couple of years more than you've ever seen it in your life? People being offended? That's the spirit that's going into the 70th week. Say one thing, well, I'm offended. And they, they're going to get to the point where their offense, they'll want you dead because you offended them. That's how bad it's going to be in the tribulation, you know? Wow. Well, what it is, it's just a whole bunch of people that don't love the word of God. It's, it talks about great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. So when you don't love the word of God, everything will offend you. The word of God keeps us unoffended. So if we're being offended, it's because we're not close to the word of God. <laughs> Amen. We're not, we don't, we're not seeing the truth of our situation. And so Revelation 12, verse 6 and the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God. And that's talking about Israel. She's the, Israel's the woman. That they should feed her there 1,203 score days. So what's that? 1,260 days. How long is that? Three and a half years, 42 months. <laughs> All right. So that's them running away and the Lord protecting them in the wilderness. Uh, Revelation 12 verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. Talking about Christ, the Messiah. The woman is Israel. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. What is that? Time, times, and half a time, three and a half years. Amen. And it says, and the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the, the earth helped the woman and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So the first point of attack is to get the Jews. And then when he found that he couldn't get the Jews, he says, now I'm going to turn my attention to all the remnant throughout the whole earth. And anybody that has a testimony of Jesus Christ or keep the commands of God, they're my target. That's going to be how the Antichrist will operate. Letter H, the Lord will unleash plagues on the earth at this point. So the first half we saw was uh, the trumpet judgments, but the second half is the vile judgments. And these are extremely heavy on the earth. And so these are really what's called the wrath judgments. In Revelation 15, verse 1, And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. Revelation 16, 1, I'll just give you a couple of these and I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first went, poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. 
And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and the fountains of waters, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shall be, because thou hast judged us. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. <laughs> and I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. That's a little amen from the back. <laughs> amen. Then it goes on to say, And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and the power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain, and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and repented not of their deeds. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Preparing Armageddon, right? And for they are the spirits of, oh sorry, and I saw that, we'll, we'll move on from that. <clears throat> now let's look at the ruin, number three. The ruin of the Antichrist. So we know the vile judgments are going to be horrible. <laughs> it's going to be a horrible time. In fact, they're going to receive basically everything hell is. After death, the Lord's giving them a taste of that before death. And yet the Bible says they would not repent. Utter darkness, not repent. Ultimate heat, will not repent. <laughs> Noisome pain and grievous sores, will not repent. These are wicked people. Number three, the ruin of the Antichrist. How do they get ruined? Well, it starts with this. Three lying spirits will come out of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet to deceive the nations to fight against the Lord. And so Revelation 16, 12, <clears throat> the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and so on. We read that, and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. And they are the spirits of devils, working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to battle <coughs> of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. And so that's where the battle of Armageddon comes. It's a result of the vile judgments and the opening of the path for the kings of the east to come. And then the lying spirits deceiving these nations to actually try coming against the Lord Jesus Christ. Somehow they think we're going to take them on here. <laughs> you know, foolish, foolish, foolish. And so, uh, Revelation 19, verse 19, it says, And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And that's talking about the second coming when Jesus will come on the horse. So why they think they can beat Jesus, I don't know. They should have read their Bibles, amen? Letter B, Jesus Christ will return with his saints and destroy the wicked armies of the earth. We see these passages in Daniel, uh, Daniel 2:44, And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall, be, shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. 
For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. Amen. Daniel 7, verse 26. But the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. And Daniel 8, 25 talks about he shall be broken without hand. And then the greatest passage here in Revelation 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies were in heaven, were followed upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he shall smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come, gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. Wow. I'll tell you something. What a time. Where are you going to be during that time? You're going to be following him on, you're going to see him in front of you on his white horse. And guess what? You won't have to lift a sword. You're just going along for the ride. <laughs> Only thing that's going to happen is out of his mouth, he'll just say the word. And the whole, all those armies will be obliterated. <laughs> it goes on to talk about how that he's going to have a sickle. And he's going to, he's going to reap from the earth. And he's going to separate the wicked from the just. And he's going to bring them to that place. And that's where it says that the blood shall be to the horse's bridle. So basically, he's going to gather up the wicked of the whole world and place them in that place and their blood will fill to the horse's bridle. So if you're expecting a lamb, (laughs) you're not getting a lamb. The lamb came the first time. You come to the lamb as your savior. That's the best thing to do. Because you don't want to meet him as the lion. Amen? So the Antichrist comes. His idea is just about peace, peace, peace. That's why the Lord throughout the scriptures says, don't listen to these guys. Don't listen to these guys that you can just, oh, you don't have to deal with things. You don't have to deal with wickedness. You don't have to deal with sin. You don't have to fight against evil. It is constant in this world. You're not going to get away from it. Well, I'm a pacifist. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. You're living in the wrong earth. Because there is going to be battles until Jesus Christ comes and then he will initiate the worst battle of them all. And then it'll be done. Amen. Letter C. Jesus Christ will cast the beast and the false prophet alive into the lake of fire. 
2 Thessalonians 2.8, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall cons consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Daniel, that's broken without hand, right? Daniel 7, verse 11, I beheld then because of the voice of great words which the horn spake, I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. In Revelation 19, verse 20, And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. The interesting thing about this is this. This is happening before the millennial reign. Number one, these two are the only ones that will be cast into the lake of fire alive. Everybody else has already died and is going to be called up before the great white throne. They were plucked right from their living room. <laughs> Thunk! There you go. They're the only two mentioned in the scripture like that. And not only that, this lake of fire, there's nobody in it yet. It's empty. Because the only time people get placed in the lake of fire is after the great white throne judgment. Until then, they're, they're in this place called Hades, in the center of the earth, called hell. <laughs> and so these two will be for a thousand years in the lake of fire by themselves until the great white throne and then everybody else will be cast in with them interesting those that worship the beast and receive the number of the beast will experience god's wrath forever it says in revelation 14 verse 9 it says and the third angel followed them saying with a loud voice if any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. And they have no rest, day nor night, who worship the beast in his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. That is phenomenal. That is just wild to think about. But that's what's going to happen to those that worship the beast. Letter E, the dragon will be bound in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. Revelation 20, so this is a different place. So this isn't necessarily the lake of fire. This is the bottomless pit. What is this? What is a bottomless pit? <laughs> Does it mean he's thrown into a pit and it just keeps falling? <laughs> you know? Well, some people have, supposed you know I'm, I'm not saying it's true but at the center of the earth if you look at hell if there's a if there's a locality in hell in the center of the earth called hell where where the paradise used to be and now has been taken up we know that from scripture it's clear that hell is underneath that it's clear that way but the bottomless pit if you look at the earth and if you look at the way the the molten lava is inside of the earth if the devil would be cast in there, and bottomless would mean that he would just circulate in the middle of the earth for a thousand years, like this around. So there's no bottom, <laughs> you see. But he's within that, that, that ball, that ball of lava. You know, wherever hell is, I don't know, but you know, probably in the center of that, but just kind of circulating. 
with no bottom. Because we know he's not in the lake of fire yet. And he's going to be called up out of this bottomless pit. And it says in Revelation 20 verse 1, And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years shall be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. That's for the final rebellion at the end of the thousand year reign, which is outside of our topic, so I can't go there right now. Amen? So what I really wanted you to understand through all of this, where's my, there it is, is this particular timeline. You have the rapture, you've got the rise of the Antichrist, the four horses, you've got the covenant made with Israel, you've got the first three and a half weeks with the judgment, tr trumpet judgments fall, you've got the rule where he finally exalts himself as God and stops the daily sacrifices, which was a part of the covenant, and then God lets the wrath fall with the vile judgments. And then for 42 months, he's got power, and the children of Israel have been hidden in a place on the earth, and he can't get to them. But during that time, he's killing whoever he can and putting him into jail. Now, there's stuff that happens after this. We'll get to that. Daniel chapter 9 talks about an interval after the, the return of Christ. There's a time before the kingdom begins and after Jesus returns. It's a time of 75 days. And we're going to look at some of the events that will take place within that 75 days in Daniel chapter 12. All right? So there we go. Let's bow our heads. It's a lot to take in. I'm out of breath. <laughs> Trying to get it all done. And there's a lot more, folks. I could talk about a lot more things, but I just want to give you kind of the general layout of the career of Antichrist, and I think this will help you.